Hey everyone, welcome to episode 157, Shadow Parenting. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Whenever I hear shadow parenting, I think of like February 2nd, it's Groundhog's Day, and we're going to see if the groundhog sees its shadow. Is that just something we do in the States? Or is that like something that happens all over? So... Before I get into shadow parenting, I want to talk about review. And it's from my friend Isabel. And she says, Kelly's podcast is one I will share with my adult daughters who are thinking about starting a family. I wish I had our podcast when we started a family or even started to think about having a family because we had six years to plan because we were married in 2001 and Lily wasn't born until 2008. And so we were trying and preparing and building the house and getting our, I was getting my master's in the meantime, just to kind of like be super ready. And then we struggled with infertility and we had lots of miscarriages and it was just a very bumpy road to become parents. But while we were on those bumpy roads, I promise on a stack of Bibles, the amount of books that I read, I think I read what to expect when you're expecting before I was even expecting. I had so much time on my hands preparing and mentally preparing that I read all the books, not only as a teacher and a counselor and when I was in my master's program, all the books I had to read, but I read them to kind of like be so ready, be prepared and do this thing and do it well. I really wanted to like hit it out of the park. And I was striking out for the first five years. I mean, it wasn't just a phase. It was like in my DNA. It was struggle bus, struggle bus, struggle bus, cry myself to sleep, wake up, promise it's going to be different the next day. And it was like Groundhog's Day. So that's very ironic that I'm talking about shadow parenting. And I just brought up Groundhog's Day and I didn't even plan on making the two connection, but it did feel like Groundhog's Day. And I would cry to David. I would cry to my parents. I would cry to my sisters. I'd cry to anyone who would listen. Like, this is so hard. I thought it was going to be so much easier. I had all this experience at school and in camps and with my nieces and nephews and my cousins and daycares that I used to work at and summer camps that I used to run and all the books that I read. Like, we couldn't have been more prepared if we tried, literally. And then all, it was like bomb after bomb. It was like a atomic bomb of stress and chaos in our home on the regular, relentless and monotonous. And I didn't even recognize who I was with my own two. And so I went on a journey and literally I'm still on the journey. I just figured it out of how not to struggle so much, but I still struggle. And David still struggles and our kids still struggle and we still do as a family. So I don't want you to like think it's rainbows and sunshine. I'm just not so mad at the struggle anymore. I just had this picture perfect white picket fence, utopia, no negative emotions, picturesque, how it would go. And then when it didn't go according to plans, which it never did and it never does, then that's where my frustration and that's where my snappiness came from that I had such an agenda of how it should be. And I had such a map 
that nobody was following. I was like Dora with the, I was like the map, the map, and no one was following it. No one was listening. Nothing was going my way. And so I thought if I just had an adult temper tantrum, then things would start going my way. But guess what? That made it even worse because we struggled so much and I was looking forward to it so much. And so was David and so was our family and all the people all over the world that were praying for us, that were reading the blog. I was like, finally, utopia is here. Yay. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I thought my biggest struggle was going to be the sleep deprivation. That was like the easiest part. Are you kidding me? No one told me that I was going to turn into a crazy lady and not know why I was acting a cray cray. But because I wanted to do it so well, I was so afraid of messing it up. So I was parenting from that fear-based place. And that's ironically where I was messing up. I know I say that all the time, but so many of you tell me when I hear it over and over and over that that's when it finally clicks. So shadow parenting came out of the simple question that Grady asked me the other day. My family doesn't really like stories specifically told about them, so I speak in general terms. So one of their cousins has gotten a job at the movie theater. And Grady is very curious about the whole process of like a teen getting a job and like paying bills. And he's just very curious about it all. He doesn't worry about it so much, but he used to worry a lot. Like when he was like five or six, he's like, mommy and daddy, I'm just so worried I'm going to be homeless when I get older. Who's going to buy my mattress? (laughs) Poor thing. I was like, oh, buddy, it's okay. He's like, all this stuff around us, like, what am I, you know? So he's really curious about how that whole transition goes into. He's born in 2010. I like to say the years that they were born. So when you're listening, you can kind of do the math of how old he is when I'm talking about this or when you hear this. He's 11 at this time of recording, but you could hear this five years from now. So you can kind of like see pictures and think like, oh, she said that when he was 11, not, you know, five years from now when he's 16. So he said to me the other day, he said, well, how is he figuring out how to work at the movies? Like, you know, the buttons and stuff to buy the popcorn. And he said, do they go to a class? I said, well, he's in the training program right now where he's going to shadow someone else. He's like, shadow someone else? What in the world are you talking about? I said, what happens is they're going to find someone who's been working there a while, who knows how to like do their work in their sleep. Kind of like, you know how to ride your bike in your sleep. And he's like, you can't ride your bike in your sleep. He's a very little kid. Like, it's just an idiom, just a saying, but you know how to ride your bike in your sleep. So you could probably teach that to somebody else. And so they find someone at the movie theaters that knows how to do the job. And so he will just shadow, let's just say his name's Billy, the, the guy at the movie theaters who's been working there. Your cousin will just stand behind Billy and see how he does what he does. And then Billy will probably be talking out loud. And like we talked about a couple weeks ago about giving a tool for the toolbox of like regulating your kids' negative emotions and regulating their emotions is by you talking out loud your thought process. Billy's not going to do his job just without talking out loud, but he's going to walk your cousin through it and say, okay, here's the button for the popcorn. Here's where you get the popcorn. He's going to have real customers. And in that real customer process, he's going to talk it through with your cousin. And then your cousin's going to kind of watch like, okay, this is how I get the popcorn. This is where I get the, and then he might have him like assist him in getting the popcorn. Like, I'm going to ring this up. I'm going to get the Twizzlers. You go get the popcorn. And so then your cousin will go get the popcorn and realize where the shovel is. And so it's a gradual process. And then sometimes he'll slowly but surely pull away that support for your cousin and then Like Billy might ring up all the food and then your cousin will get all the food and gather it all. And then they might switch roles where your cousin will be actually touching the buttons while Billy's looking over his shoulder and kind of talking him through, talking him through like, okay, there's the button. Oh yeah, if they have a coupon code, you're going to use this. If they're a senior, you need to click on the senior discount here if they're a veteran. So there's going to be different things that come up on the on-job training that you can do. You can't really learn from a book because it's that 
trial and error process of how you learn. And so then eventually Billy is going to go back to his, go back to another register and then your cousin will take over the register. But Billy will always be very close to your cousin until they feel like your cousin is ready to fly on their own and they don't need so much supervision and so much help. But he's always the next register over if your cousin needs a quick little refresher or where's this thing or do, are we out of, what do we do when we're out of dipping dots? What have you. If your cousin's there for a couple of years, then eventually your cousin is going to be the one who's giving out the trainings because he's going to practice, 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 trial and error, trial and error, practice makes permanent. And through that process, then your cousin is going to be one of the trainers. And then someone's going to shadow him, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. So I thought about it. And that's a lot like how parenting is, how we offer a lot of support and a lot of assistance. And here's how you tie your shoes. And here's how you make your bed. And here's how you put away your laundry. And then slowly but surely, we pull away that support. Not support where you're just there and you just fly on your own, but you're kind of always there. You turn into like almost like a spotter. Now, this shadow parenting is up to you. This level of support depends on your child's age, their maturity, their gender, their capabilities, their with itness. Some kids are really with it, and you can teach with itness. So, if your kid is like kind of a spacey kid, you can teach with itness to a kid who's a little bit spacey. Believe me, I know. Allegedly, I could have one or two. And allegedly, I have been called spacey sometimes. I know it's probably hard to believe. So I was thinking of all the different things that we have now that we have 11, 14-year-old of what we are gradually pulling away support, not so much emotional support, but kind of like you can do that on your own. This is where you have to really step up slowly but surely. Age and stage always matters. But as a parent, you get to decide, am I doing this because I want to help my child or am I doing this because I want to enable my child? Now, remember, it feels really good to feel needed. So sometimes we can create overly needy children who we actually enable and they become super dependent on us because it feels good to feel needed. So I always tell parents, just like your reasons for why you're either offering the support or you're pulling away the support. But there is no right or wrong way to offer that support. So you just have to make sure that you like your reasons. You're not doing it from an ego point of view where I can do it better. So because I can do it better, I'll just do it because it's quicker and faster. You're setting yourself up for a lot more work in the long run. So you want to look at the short term of how you want to set this up where they are eventually going to be grown and flown and be able to do it on their own. Because you have to know that you're doing this for life skills and you're not just doing it because you're on a power trip and they, you're making them your child do a certain thing. Or you're doing it on an opposite power trip where you want to be the one in power and control and do all the things. Because not that we do it better, but we do do it faster because we can do it in our sleep and they can't do it in their sleep yet. They have to step up to the register and then we have to shadow them. This could be level of support that you give with putting away laundry. For some reason, I just made up a random rule at age 10, they're going to have to hang up their own clothes. They put all their clothes away until age 10, and then they had they were in charge of hangers. Now, we built them up for that, like age 10, totally random, totally made it up. If I could go back, I would have gotten either wire hangers or very, very slick plastic hangers and taught them earlier how to do that, live and learn, and I chose 10. What I did that shot myself in the foot is that I had those cloth hangers that the clothes don't fall off. The only problem with that is that kids can't get them on and off very easily, so they become super frustrated. So the wire hangers, albeit not great for clothes, but you know, when it's a baseball shirt that he's going to grow out of in six weeks, I can handle it. I don't want to be mommy dearest, and um, there will be no wire hangers. So the other day, Grady was <laughs> such a funny story. I still can't believe it. So when Grady was born, for some reason, when he came out of the womb and he, I'm holding him in his arms, I'm like, in my arms, I'm like, David, 
he looks just like Orion. He's like, what are you talking about? He's Grady. I'm like, I know, but he looks like Orion. I don't know. We put two embryos in when we did in vitro. So maybe it's like the soul or the spirit of the other baby. But I'm telling you, this boy looks like Orion. I think we should change his name to Ryan. Of course, David laughed me out of the hospital because I'm always overly dramatic and I'm always, everything's a big deal. But that always stuck with me. And it it didn't go away for like six months to a year that I was like, this kid looks like Orion. We had Grady picked out long before he was born. The crazy part is Ryan wasn't even on our list. Of a, if we had 100 names on the boy list, Ryan wasn't even one of them. So I still don't understand it, but it's been an ongoing joke about how mom tried to change her name in the hospital. It wasn't like a close call, but it's just a funny story. So yesterday we're at Chick-fil-A and I'm eating my salad. Both kids are just such fast eaters. So Grady finishes his nuggets or whatever he had. He's like, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? I'm like, bro. You're 11 years old. What do I always say about if you want to know if the other people are done? Look what their hand's doing. Look if they're chewing. Look at the plate. I'm eating a salad. It's probably going to take me a little bit longer. He's like, can I go get my brownie? Because I told him he could get a brownie. Sometimes he trades in that Chick-fil-A. They get an ice cream cone. And I was like, why don't you go get the brownie? This is at the mall so I could see him. I said, why don't you go get the brownie? That will kill some time because I know you're ready. And I'm not ready. It'll give me some time to finish my salad and you're not breathing down my neck. He's like, no, 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 I can't go up there. There's too many people. That, and he just like all starts to panic. I say, great, this will be a great way to learn how to like navigate money, stand in line. We have made them order their own food from like a server at a restaurant since they were like three or four years old. With eye contact, we're always like, look at the eyes, say, make sure you say please and thank you. We have a funny game that they don't say please and thank you to the server. Then they have to use the server's name in a sentence the next time the server's there. And I will tell you, this little game Dave and I sometimes fail on purpose, so then we use the server's name the next time they're over, like, thank you for my water, Sylvia. So it's like a reverse psychology, and for some reason it works, and my kids are so afraid of using the server's name in the sentence that they always say please and thank you. So going through the line for some reason was causing all this stirrup in him, and he's like, I just can't do it, I can't do it. He's like, what if I don't have enough money? I'm like, you have $10, the brownie is $3. I think you're good. He's like, what if they are out of brownies? I'm like, well, then you'll say, I want an ice cream cone. And he's like, what if they're out of ice cream cone and out of brownies? I'm like, well, then you probably say, okay, no thanks. You'll probably, you can decide then. He was playing all the what ifs. And so the reason why I was making him go do the thing that he didn't want to do, it was partly because of me wanting to finish my salad. But he's like, I'll just wait for you and we'll go together. I said, here's the thing. This is a life skill for you that I'm going to teach you. So if you want the brownie, you need to go through the line and make eye contact. I'm very close. You say, please and thank you. We can practice. We can role play. But you got this. But if you don't want to do it, that's okay. You just don't get the brownie. But I don't care either way. But this is a life skill that I'm trying to teach you about how to interact with grownups when I'm not around. And I'm kind of around, but I'm not. I'm kind of like shadow parenting. So then he was like, all right, I'm going to do it. He walks over and then he comes back. He's like, mom, they're going to ask me my name. I'm like, yeah, and you're going to say Grady. And he's like, I know, but they always say it wrong. And they're going to say Brady. And I don't know if I should correct them or if I should just say my name's Brady. And then they're going to call my name, Grady, your brownie's ready. And that's so embarrassing, mom. Oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. And I told you in the past that Grady's hardest emotion is embarrassment. So he's like, that's so embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. I'm like, then just say your name's John. I said, when we go to restaurants, our last name's Hutchison. It's so hard to spell. So I always say Kelly as our last name. You know, they're implying last name. So anyway, he he goes and he comes back with the receipt. I couldn't even believe my own eyeballs. It said customer and then it had his name and it said Ryan. (laughs) He put as his name and I was like, no, you didn't. He's like, no one's ever going to mess up the name Ryan. And so I use the example of ordering food, like calling the front desk. Like if we're at the hotel and Lily needs a Band-Aid, 
I'll say, we'll call the front desk and ask them for a Band-Aid. No, that's so weird. Oh my gosh, that's so weird. I'm like, then you don't get a Band-Aid or whatever it is. Like, if you want something, you have to like, I'm here and I'm like the floater, but I'm also at 14 years old, about to go into high school. I think you can call the front desk, but I'm not going to do it for you. And the reason why is I like my reasons because I'm trying to teach you life skills. And sometimes you will do it for them. So you're gradually, slowly, but surely pulling away that support. And there is no rule book of when you should, how you should, but you see that process, it can be with their finances, it can be with keeping their room clean, it can be with, my friend was telling me the other day, her kids drive and they make their own dentist appointment and they drive to the dentist by themselves. And I'm like, whoa, my mind was just blown. I was like, you know, obviously my kids aren't driving yet, but there will be a time where they're going to be making their doctors or dentist appointments and going to the appointments without me. I don't always need to be there, but that just blew my mind. But not going with a dentist is not a prerequisite for having them grow up. You just have to like your reasons. Like, do you always want to be the person that helps them wake up in the morning? That's up to you, and you like their reasons. Because when they're grown and flown, you're not going to be there to wake them up. So do you want to start that early? Do you want to gradually pull away support? Do you want to let them know in advance? Kids' lunches. For some reason, when Lily hit middle school, she's like, I'm going to start making my lunch. I don't like the way you make my lunches, so I'm going to start making them. And she was almost like trying to tell me in a nice way. I was like, is that supposed to hurt my feelings? This is like the greatest news ever. So all of a sudden, we started this policy in our family. That when you get to middle school, you start making your own lunches. Grady's headed into middle school. He's starting to practice how to make a PBJ. I'm like, go, Grady, go. But that's just something that happened organically and just something we made up. It doesn't mean that you can't make lunches for your child when they're in high school. My dad made lunches for me in high school that looked like they could feed the football team because he wanted me like big and beefy for soccer. So he was, he'd make these turkey sandwiches that were bigger than my head. I'm like, dad, what are you doing? And he'd send like, not just some carrots. He sent like 75,000 carrots, but he liked his reasons for making my lunch because he probably knew if he didn't make my lunch, I'm going through the school lunch line and I'm just going to eat junk. So there is no right or wrong. And you're going to look at your neighbors and they're going to do things different. As long as you like your reasons for making the lunch, not making the lunch, having them order their food or not having them order their food, driving to the dentist or not driving to the dentist, being in charge of their money, not being in charge of their money. My kids are just now starting to open bank accounts. Depending on their age, that's how much money they get for the week if they do their chores slowly but surely they get to bank account and then they start to learn about savings and then they get a card that comes out of their account so they can spend as much or a little if it's not in the account it's a debit card so it's not like they can overdraft the other day lily had a dress that wasn't fitting right and i said well if you want to return it then you need to start the process with the company and you don't want to do it then just pay me for the dress because you're not going to wear it so or we can just donate it she's like well we can sell it on ebay i'm like you can put it on ebay i don't care how you do it but it's either being returned and you start that process or you put it on eBay or it's on that process or I'll just take it and donate it and you've never worn it and still has tags on it and then you just pay me for it. It's like $27. I think she's highly motivated to uh, get that returned or sold. Your kids want more responsibilities and they want that sense of self-efficacy. You want to make them as independent as possible. When I taught first grade, my biggest goal for them was to make them IPSs. You're saying, what is an IPS? It's something I completely made up. And it is why our classroom ran so smoothly. And when a sub came in, they'd say, I don't even need to be here. This, I'm just like a warm body that needs to be here. These kids are so self-sufficient and run on their own. And I'm just here to kind of like be the floater and just be the coach that kind of like keeps the ball running, so to speak. And IPS stands for independent problem solvers. Things are going to come up when they go to hang up the clothes or order the food or paying the library fee if their books are late, if they lose the book. And that's how they learn. We have to kind of give them that opportunity to have that on-the-job training where they are working the cash register at the movie theater and they don't know what to do when a veteran comes and they have to give the veterans discount. 
But the only way they're going to learn that is if they are working the cash register and we are just the shadow behind them. Now, obviously, you have to look at the age and stage, but you do this in small doses based on their age and stage, and you don't just take away all the support at once. They don't put Grady's cousin at the movie theater and say, go figure it out and go help the customers. They have to train him, and they do that through shadow training. And you've seen it as a server. You've seen it if you've ever started a new job. And then eventually, you're at your own register, and they're at their own register, and that's the goal. And then you'll see your ego pop up, because my ego pops up all the time, like, oh, they don't need me anymore. They're so independent. And that's actually a good thing. So we don't want to make it a bad thing. They're not supposed to need you all the time to do all the tasks, but they're always going to need you emotionally. They're always going to need you to be that flight attendant in their life, that stable Mabel, that steady Eddie. And that's the best gift you can give them. You're at your own cash register, ringing up your own customers and clients, and you're rocking it out. That's why I'm always telling you to focus on your side of the street, focus on your cash register. And your kids are going to be at their own cash register. And they're kind of like side-eyeing you a little bit because they know that you're there if they need you but you're not hovering over their shoulder like, push this, push this, push this, push this, because then they can't grow and thrive and kind of figure it out on their own. Today, we were getting out of the car, and I do have a problem getting out of the car for some reason. I'm pretty good about getting out the door, but for some reason, getting out of the car, like when we're going to church or today we're going to the movies, and both my kids complain about it, so it must be true if they're both saying it, and I definitely agree. For some reason, I gotta get like my purse, and I gotta lock the door, and sometimes I put up the sunshade, and I gotta get my water bottle, and I gotta... It just takes me forever to get out of the car. I don't know what my problem is. I just can't do it. And so Grady is literally hovering over me. He's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. We weren't even close to being late for the movie. I'm like, I can't think straight when you're standing over there going, let's go, let's go, let's go. It actually makes me go slower. So sometimes we do that to our kids is we make them go slower when we hover and we micromanage and we are over their shoulders and just like, come on, come on, come on, come on, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. So whenever you're deciding how much support you're going to give or not give, Ask yourself why you're doing it, like your reasons, and then have your own back. And when you have that formula for anything that you're doing in your life, then you have a sense of confidence that you don't need reassurance from me or your neighbor or your spouse or your kids or your greedy grandpappy, that you have your own back, you like your reasons, and this is the way that you realize you can't mess this up. When you know that you can't mess this up, then you can get super creative and you're not in this pressure cooker of having to do it just the right way that we're going to ruin our kids or we're going to put them in therapy. We're just not that powerful because our kids know and they're going to know when they're older and they're grown and flown that our heart was in the right spot and it was messy and it was imperfect. But then what the gift is, is that we allow them to allow it to be messy and imperfect. And when you do those things and you merge it together, you have connection. And when you have connection, you have much more harmony in the home. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.